Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. And welcome to Fast Break Breakfast NBA Podcast. My name is Keith here alone for another solo interview episode. Chuck and John will be back at some point, probably pretty soon. We don't have it on the books yet, though. Today's episode is talking about the Memphis Grizzlies, my favorite team. It gets kind of dark. I personally am on board with the we don't need to start over because every other team that's starting over is ahead of us on that game. So I'm ready to ride out the golden years of Mike and Mark and hopefully Tony and win some games with my guest, uh, Peter Edmiston. Uh, not really on the same page there. Uh, and we talk about some of the Grizzlies' failures. We don't get as deep into some potential crazy trade ideas that, that I have um, just because there wasn't enough time and we had to talk about all the other various disappointments. This is not an incredibly uplifting episode, but it is fun to talk about the Grizzlies. Let's just be happy we have basketball, guys. Come on. This is the season of hope. We should be very hopeful. Uh, another note, there is some audio issues on Peter's end. It was a little loose. Uh, I think we, we kind of got it squared away about halfway through, a third of the way through, but hopefully that doesn't bug you too much. Before we get to the interview, a couple of things. One, if you do want more Chuck and John in your lives and myself and to talk about basketball in a safe yet very intense environment, you can join the Fast Break Breakfast Slack chat. You do that by supporting the show at patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. For $3 a month, you can join a bunch of other crazy basketball fans, and we're reacting to all the trades, the Sixers-Celtics trade, that craziness, the Paul George trying to get out, and whatever teams are going to pay for a rental of him. It's like if you want Twitter with a cover charge, weeds out the riffraff. And obviously, you support our show financially, and we are very grateful to all those people who have chosen to do that. So to join that Slack chat, go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. My guest today is a columnist covering the Grizzlies for the Memphis Commercial Appeal, the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast, my favorite Locked On podcast, I'll say it, and uh, also a radio host uh, in Memphis. Uh, what It's Wolo and Pete in the morning. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Yeah. As an outsider, I don't listen often to that one. I get all your goodies from the Locked On Grizzlies. But Mr. Peter Edmiston, a return guest, how are you doing this morning? What's up, Keith? How are you, buddy? Man, I'm great. I'm uh, glad you're back on. Excited about it. Ready to talk some Grizzlies. Uh, I haven't been able to talk Grizzlies for a while on the regular podcast. Uh, it depresses my other co-host John, and we've oh, just no. been yeah we've been we've been uh, just talking about you know general NBA. We're You've a been Nash- predators. Have you been talking predators mostly? Is that uh, we have deal? talked a lot of predators for a an exclusively NBA podcast. They came up uh, quite a lot. 
Because let's be real, uh, NBA conference finals, finals, eh, not that awesome. Right. So, so yeah, we uh, we definitely, I jumped on the, the Predators bandwagon, which is a very welcoming bandwagon. You know, I live in Nashville, so they just open arms. You know, I can cheer for the Grizzlies for 15 years, and some people still look at me sideways, you know, because I'm living in Nashville. <laughs> that's but right, anyway, that's right. uh, yeah. But uh, no, the other guys, John and Chuck, they're, they're, they're big Predators fans. They, they, were, they were already well on the bandwagon before all the uh, playoff success started. But uh, before we get any farther, Peter, it is important. Uh, did you have a chance to have breakfast? And I know you're an apple man. I don't know if you had any good apples lately. Well, here's the pro- so here's the problem. Yes. Um, you know, my, my preferred apple is the honey crisp um and it's it's out of season so you you, you got to pay an arm and a leg to get the to get the the damn honey crisp and it's not it's not it's not you know the quality's not great you got to fly it in from increasingly difficult spots it's like you know 350 a pound i mean come on man what are we Ooh. what are we doing what are we doing here i can't i'm not made of money i'm not i'm not uh, i'm not robert para over here i can't i can't just be paying 350 a pound for and they're and they're big so like you know I, I, one of these apples is is probably a pound by itself yeah so you're you're talking about i mean it it, it just the economics you can tell keith the economics those don't make any sense those are uh jermichael green prices oh you you, you ain't kidding <laughs> so so i've got I, I've, I've gone to the pink lady which you know is is not my favorite but it's it's an okay alternative for a little cheaper uh, and that's what I had this morning, along with uh, some Belvita breakfast biscuits. Okay, yeah, Th- those are those are delicious. I like to have uh, some of those. Uh, I kind of I kind of have those midway through my show. I'm on seven to ten. I kind of like to to pop those in midway through the show to to get a little energy boost. You know, as as I as I continue that that's my norm for for most mornings is some kind of a fruit, typically an apple, but occasionally, you know, grapes, blackberries, bananas could be in the mix as well. And then some kind of a uh, some kind of a breakfast biscuit situation. That's 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 what I always go with. I've still never had a, a honey crisp apple. I, I'm still no, I don't know anything about the oh, for, the uh, fact that there's different varieties of apples. I just thought there was red ones and green ones, and that's uh, just I, I don't. I, you're killing me. No, it's, I thought I thought you'd bring me one. I told you next time I go to I go to Memphis, just have a Honeycrisp waiting for me. But I, I guess I don't know when I'm going to see you, and I can't just walk around with apples. I can't just walk around with apples in my hands. Well, I'm not Johnny Appleseed over here. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not walking around with fruit baskets. Did you have a Did you have a special Father's Day uh, breakfast? We're, we're recording this on Monday, the day after Father's yeah, Day. Yeah, I did. No, I did. I did. And actually, on the weekends, my break, my I typically go with eggs and Cheerios. Oh. But no, my wife made me some cinnamon rolls, which was great. Um, and she made bacon and eggs, which was wonderful. Uh, she will occasionally make sausage gravy, though she didn't this Father's Day because the kids were, you know, a little bit of a handful. But uh, but yeah, it's that's the that's what I really. If you want like my, my real breakfast, I want sausage gravy, biscuits, sausage patties, um, eggs over medium, please. Thank you very much. And uh, that that's that's probably good good enough for me for now. Well, that's yeah. Those are some spectacular, strong, uh, hearty breakfasts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you got to go hearty. It's uh, you know, it, it, all the work I do uh, out in the in the farm. That's right. Farm We're, out this these great takes on basketball. It's the, they, they don't they don't just fuel themselves, Keith. You got to you got to keep the energy levels up. That's right. These hands aren't smooth by themselves. They, uh... Exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> they don't look like little baby hands uh, by themselves. That's right. All right, well, moving to the Memphis Grizzlies, uh, a team which you have told me before, you try to cover from a more dispassionate, objective angle. Right. I, I, I do not. I, no. I, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I try to be 
I mean, I do try to be objective when I'm figuring out what's best, but I have difficulty separating myself. So right now, Grizzlies fans, uh, we're maybe a crossroads. Everyone wrote their, you know, is this the end of grit and grind stories for the however many years in a row? But it's starting to feel like it might actually be true. So I'm curious, from your perspective, as someone who can maybe quash his emotions a little farther down, uh, what do you think this offseason is going to look like in regards to the grit and grind? And by that, obviously, I mean uh, half of Mount Grismore, Tony Allen, and Zach Randolph. Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think it's, um, it, it's, it's difficult, Keith, because, you know, if you look at it from a dispassionate standpoint, you know, if you're, you, you have to, to kind of admit that the results haven't really, um, you haven't really turned over to the next page, so to speak. You haven't really clicked. You haven't turned the corner. You know, you, you're talking about four first round exits in the last five seasons. You're, you're talking about, you know, really only one series win since the, the finals, uh, since the Western conference finals run that was against a, you know, a pretty depleted Portland team. Um, you know, you have, you've had opportunities. You had that game six against the thunder that you lost by 20 when you had really stifled Westbrook and Durant in that series. Um, you know, you, you had the warriors in a decent, as, as good a position as they could have possibly, you know, you, you could have had them in, in spite of injuries and everything else. Um, you know, you've had, you've had some chances and just haven't been able to, 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 to take that next step. And I was talking about this a little bit on my show this morning, as a matter of fact, you know, I, I, I think honestly, like around here, at least Keith, the, the, the appetite for grit and grind, I don't know how in people's heart of hearts, I mean, if you're just being honest with yourself, and I'll, I'll probably talk about this some on, on my podcast in the next couple of weeks. But if you're really being honest with yourself, do you really, are you really supporting bringing everything back? Like, are you really excited about that? Is that, is that, does that get your juices flowing as a fan to say, we're going to bring the whole gang back. We're bringing everybody back. We're rolling this thing back together. What is the, what is the excitement level for that? Because I mean, I, I don't really see, it's nice to have everybody back together. There's certainly familiarity and all that stuff, but the fans, I mean, the, the attendances were just kind of okay. They struggled. And I would say probably didn't sell out game three, um, in the playoffs. And technically you know, they did. They, they, yeah, keep... I mean, they, they, they announced that they did, but I, right. I was there and I, I'm, I'm not so sure that they did. No, I, I, I'm, I'm with you from someone who resells most of my tickets. I definitely turned my, I don't know. I, I, I turn a wary eye to the announcements of sellouts. Like really? Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and so I think like, are people really excited by that? People that say they don't want to blow it up or they don't want to make changes or whatever. Are you really excited by that again? Well, see, really get people going. Cause I, I don't, I don't see it. I don't, I don't, I don't see that that's the case. Me personally, I look at it in this situation more that if you don't bring back some of these guys, I'm not sure what the alternative is going to be. So if you're asking me, am I excited to roll it back again with the same squad or roll it back again with, I'm not sure, like with Wayne Selden and Wade Baldwin getting all the minutes at the two or Troy Daniels and, or, you know, and I don't know who else the 
possibly they could bring in, you know, to, to fill the shoes. Then I'm like, yeah, that seems okay. Like the path to the future, like a transition towards maybe being good in three years isn't very apparent to me right now. So I guess part of me is more so like, yeah, I guess uh, let's try to get 45 wins again with, with like a similar squad. Well, that's true. And I think you have to, you would have to make um, that kind of the, the bridge. I think the, the idea, you know, was that that Chandler Parsons would be the bridge to the next thing that you would transition away from grit and grind to Mike, Mark and Chandler. And then you would you know, add some shooting or whatever around them. And, and that would be the way that you would go. But obviously that has uh, been a disaster at this stage. And, and there's no reason to expect that the, the Chandler Parsons is going to be, you know, more than kind of healthy at best um, next year. I, I just don't think you can make any kind of assumption about Chandler Parsons knowing what we know about him. So I, I agree that, that if there were a more readily apparent alternative that you could get behind it, I think there is some, something of an article of faith in doing this, but you know, to, to me, you're getting to the point now where you might as well knowing what's happening around the league, you might as well go ahead and start your rebuild as much as you can, as quickly as you can to try to time it out so that you can catch the back end of the Warriors and be able to be, you know, good to go. Uh, you also have a pick that you are conveying to Boston in 2019 that is protected top eight in uh, 2019, top six in 2020, and then unprotected in 2021, which to me, to some extent, compels you to maybe be as bad as you can be those two years to be able to keep that pick. And then ideally you convey it in 2021 when maybe you're a little bit better and you've gotten a couple of good young players, because if you convey another, what I think is probably by that point, if the Grizzlies just kind of play this thing out, that's probably going to be a lottery pick. Um, I don't know. They're going to make the playoffs in 2019 at this point with aging, you know, Mike Conley aging Marcus all. And so you're giving up uh, potentially a lottery pick, a low lottery pick, for for what I mean, and then and then you start your rebuild. Um, you know, I don't know. So, to me, it's kind of a now or later situation. You 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 can do it imperfectly now and trade some of your assets and see what you can get for them, or you can do it later and and wait. And I don't know what you, if anything, you get for those guys. Right. So you said to time it out, like time out the rebuild to avoid you know the Warriors dynasty that's going on right now. I actually think I might be more okay with not doing that in the sense that uh, I feel like a lot of other teams obviously are doing the same thing and the Grizzlies core has no optimism on the level of like some of the other young teams like Milwaukee or Minnesota or even like the Sixers where, where I feel like these next two years there might be wins available and it like if you're not going to trade Mike and Mark which is I guess what you're talking about for like a real rebuild uh like i'm fine with the next couple of years of just racing for the playoffs seeing if you can get 50 wins because like maybe the clippers are like you know what we got to blow it up this is this is done or other teams are like you know like let's give up on our pursuit right now because the warriors and Cavs are so far ahead of us i'm almost okay with that uh the grizzlies existing in that land where all right let's just try to win a playoff series let's try to be a top four seed because again like unless we can convince uh, Phil Jackson to give us Porzingis, you know, for Mark Gasol or something, th- I don't, I don't see any road to being super competitive, even in, you know, even if we do keep that 2019 pick. 
Well, I mean, that that's that, I think that's that's OK. I think that's probably what's actually going to happen, Keith. So I, I hope you can get excited because I think you've 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 nailed it. I think that's 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 probably what they're going to do. Um, I, I'm just all I'm saying is I can't pretend to be real excited about that. Yeah. To me, to me, that is, um, you know, you, you are essentially playing out the string. You are just kind of dragging this thing until its very end. You are, you know, watching it decay and, you know, whatever. And then, and then from from that point on, when you start to turn the page, you know, you're you're still missing that pick. You know, you're still missing that next pick. You got to wait basically till 2020 to really get get that going on a rebuild. You're going to have to rebuild either way. That's that's the other aspect of this that people I don't I don't think take into consideration enough in my mind. Yeah. You're going to have to rebuild either way. It's either you you choose now or you choose later. And you know, to me, the quicker you can get it started, I, I don't see a tremendous amount of value. You know, for for example, what if you you get Jermichael Green. If Jermichael Green gets a crazy offer from Brooklyn or or Minnesota, somebody else, which you know, particularly from Brooklyn, there's a lot of it makes a lot of sense for them because they don't have any other real way to get decent talent and particularly youngish talent. Not that Jermichael's that young, but 27 and only three years experience in the league. Um, it would make sense for them to kind of throw a big offer sheeted him if you match that to kind of keep yourself relatively young and extend your window then now you've really locked into four big contracts that you're you're into for the next three or four years at least with no guarantee that that you're going to be able to to even stay the same much less get better with that group particularly with Chandler Parsons um then you you would have to then sacrifice some other guys in order to do that. You're getting perilously close to the luxury tax at that stage, which is not something that they want to do. And and the the outcome of that is like okay, so you get you basically are the same team. Like I, I don't I don't that to me doesn't really get you get you fired up uh, unless you expect huge development from you know Wade Baldwin or Deontay Davis. Or you know Wayne Selden or something like that. I don't I don't expect it from Jarrell Martin. Other than that, I just don't see it, Keith. So to me, like I, I'm not saying it is what it is. You have to you just you know you have to do the best you can. But you know in terms of like what what's going to excite you, I I don't I don't know that there that, that much of that path sounds terribly exciting to me. You uh you said something on your Locked On Grizzlies podcast that really excited me. Although uh, then I think in a later episode, John Hollinger kind of shot it down, though not specifically. You talked about the Grizzlies getting, you know, under the cap a little bit, which I assume would involve them kind of renouncing all their right. Uh, the, the, the rights for, you know, Vince Carter, Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, which then you could you could then re-sign um, still, uh, you know, under the what are the non-bird exception. But right. you talked about getting a little bit under the cap and absorbing someone like Tyler Johnson, who the Miami Heat might want to get rid of to clear space to sign a Blake Griffin or a Gordon Hayward. And I got to be real, I, I got all tingly. I love Tyler Johnson. <laughs> and uh, just the, the, the idea of the Grizzlies being able to get, you know, like a starting caliber guard who's a combo guard who could play some backup point, which the Grizzlies have desperately needed a backup point. And I got, I got super excited. But then you're talking about real luxury cap uh, log jam yeah. in four years because his, his contract balloons to $20 million a year. Right. Uh, so Next um, year, yeah. 
are there any other uh, are there any other guys like that, or, or like would you be on board with that? And that does kind of lock the Grizzlies into like we're still going for it for a couple more years and can't do much else besides adding that. Well, see the 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 the, the parallel to that is that I would want in that case from from Miami, I would want their fourteenth pick, you know, and you may have to throw in uh, you know something on your end, but but the the fact that you're taking that contract off their books. And allowing them to sign not only Gordon Hayward, but then also the reason they would do it is they want to bring back James Johnson and potentially Deion Waiters. Um, you know, you're doing them a favor. You're really doing them a solid by doing that. And you're having to renounce your guys, and so it could be tricky for you. You do that, and, and you would ask them, say, man, look, I need you to give me your, your 14th pick. And, and so in that sense, you get uh, Tyler Johnson, who's – you know, talented player, but he's not going to be worth that contract when it balloons up. It was kind of a, a little bit of a surprise that they matched Brooklyn's offer sheet last year. But to me, you 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 do that. You add a good young talent um, who's going to be a little bit overpaid, but that's the way it goes. But more importantly, you add that pick in a pretty deep lottery, which then allows you to start to kind of look ahead to the rebuild and gives you another piece to work around and to develop because they're going to have to get these these pieces, you're going to have to start developing and you're going to have to start getting some hits in, in the middle of that. That's why I really thought that, you know, would be the best of both worlds. Now they, they don't, I don't know that they want to go that far and I don't know that the market is there, but Miami really does need to clear that space. It's important for them to do that to a lesser extent. You could see San Antonio try to clear some space too, for a couple different ideas that, that they may have. And then you could get, you know, 29 and 59 in the draft uh, that they've got. You know, that's not as quite as appealing. But again, for the Grizzlies, you know, Keith, they need this. There's just this big gap of talent between the old guys and the young guys. you got a bunch of young guys who haven't really proven anything. And you got a bunch of old guys who are still good. But, you know, how much further can they take you? And then this in between, basically, James Ennis, OK, Troy Daniels, OK. Again, these are eighth, ninth guys on most teams. Jermichael Green, I like, but I don't know if I like him at 15 million a year. You gotta there's 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 got to be some work done in that little in the middle ground there. And getting picks, getting young guys that are talented helps you to do some of that work. What specifically would you do if you were the one calling the shots? Are are, are you advocating for a trading of a Mike and a Mark, or is this there something smaller? Like I, I don't think Miami's gonna give you that pick even to get off, you know, the six million dollars of this year. So so do you, do you have any specifics that you're hoping that the Grizzlies do or that you well, would again, do? Again, I mean, it, it's hard to say without knowing specifically what is out there. For example, I could tell you, you know, I know for a fact that they were very active at the trade deadline with a lot of different types of trade offers, but they didn't like anything. They couldn't find anything that they really just loved. So they, they're trying. They, they've tried a few different approaches. Um, and I think that they, they are open to, uh, you know, a few different things. But the reality is that it's without knowing, like I, I could advocate for a Marcus all trade, but I don't know what specifically could be out there. It would be hard for me to speculate. Like I could say, I would ideally like to say, Hey, Boston, give me Brooklyn pick next year and give me Jalen Brown or give me Marcus smart. Yeah. And okay. I, I would probably do that, but is that, is that realistic? Could that be out there? You know, it's hard to say. I don't know. So if you're in an ideal world, I would start the rebuild. If you're asking me personally, what I would do, taking fan business considerations out of it, if I'm just strictly looking at a basketball standpoint, I, I would start the rebuild. Because I think internally, 
there is definitely friction between Mark and Fisdale. They they don't terribly see eye to eye. Um, you know, they can work together, I guess, but I don't think it's ever going to be ideal. And, you know, it's uh, that that's part of the reason why the Grizzlies have been so inconsistent uh, over the last few years. Mark is a tough guy to to coach. And so if you really want to try to turn the page, I think it would make a lot of sense to do that there. Now, if you get if you're getting nothing, then no, I wouldn't do it. If you're getting a, a couple second round picks and like, you know, a decent player. No, I, I wouldn't do that. But if you can get a return that's valuable, then I would do that. And if I'm trading Mark, I'm trading Mike. I'm not going to go halfway on a rebuild. To me, you're, you're, you have your pick next year, and then you have the protections on that, that pick that's Boston's right now. Um, I would either try to get that pick back from Boston or try to be so bad as to make sure I keep that pick for those two protected years, uh, which ideally three years of being bad, if you play your cards right and you develop some of your young guys, you should be able to get back into position to be okay going forward. That's obviously a risk, but to me, it's a risk that you're going to have to take because I don't see any other, this core group is not, you're not going to have any more success with this core group than you've already had. So that's, so now you're just kind of, it's just a question to me of, you know, do you want to do it now? Do you want to do it later? And how much do you really want to milk this thing? I think we've talked about this before. I can't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but my concern with that scenario, the trade Mike and Mark and be bad for three years is from the business side in the city side. I assume, you know, attendance would crater. No one would go to Grizzlies games and I'd be super nervous until Seattle has a franchise of doing that in Memphis of announcing to your fans like, Hey, we're going to rebuild for the next two to three years. Cause I think that would be, that would put the franchise in some pretty uncomfortable financial situation. See, I, I don't think that for example, Indiana is looking at a situation now where they're going to have to rebuild. They don't have great attendance. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they're, they're going to have to do the same thing. And you know, their attendance would probably be worse than the, the Grizzlies. To me, you, you've spent all this time in Memphis trying to build a team that can withstand this. At some point, I remind you, you're going to have to go through this. It's going to happen. Uh, and I don't think waiting an extra two or three years is going to make your fan base any stronger than it is now in order to withstand that. Either you can or you can't. And financially, teams rely less and less on gate to cover their costs. I mean, with the new television deal, with the amount of revenue that is shared with the different, you know, marketing opportunities that are out there. Yeah. Obviously you would like to have as much attendance as possible and that's a big help and you want to engage your fans and all that stuff, but it's not the absolute necessity that it used to be. Um, and, and I mean, Keith, I was, I've been to pretty much, I don't know, probably 35 of the 45 or so, or maybe 40, of the 45 plus games, uh, including playoffs this year. And I mean, the attendance was, was, was okay. I mean, like, I don't think it's going to get that much worse, honestly, than, than it was for a lot of those games. I mean, you had a lot of games that were not super well attended. That's just the nature of the NBA regular season. It's the nature of uh, a lot of regular seasons is, is just, you're not, you're not going to have, you know, huge attendance in a lot of places um, all the time. I, I don't, to me, I don't think it's, if they can't withstand that, then, then that's you, then they weren't strong enough to, to begin with. I, I think they'll, they'll be fine. Now, if again, if you colossally screw it up, 
okay, you screwed it up. <laughs> I mean, you whatever you do, you have to do well. I mean, if if you think so poorly of like the 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 front office and. I mean, people are like, oh, I'm glad they don't have a pick because they always screw up their picks. Well, I mean, geez, you know, that's you need to change your people if you think that poorly of them. If you think they're going to screw it up that bad, then you got to have different people in charge, man. You're going to have to go through this one way or the other. And you could screw it up like the Timberwolves have and have 13 straight lottery picks or whatever. uh, But you hope that you don't. You hope that you get a Sam Hinkie thing where you're maybe you're awful for three years and then you've got a good core that you can build on. That's that's the hope anyway. Yeah, I'm still to, to, to kind of clo- close on that uh, section of the conversation. I'm still more. I would rather put it off to later while I have two all-star-ish players on my team. Like, there's no guarantee. Who knows how long it would take again to get two all-stars? Uh, but you know, that that'd be my main concern. Um, just divorcing your personal opinions on what you would do. Mm-hmm. What is your prediction? On these four free agents, Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, Vince Carter, and then the restricted free agency of Jermichael Green, they roughly the Grizzlies roughly going to have something like twenty to twenty six million before they hit the luxury tax. Maybe they'll get rid of Brandon Wright and contract have a little more room. But if you're working with roughly twenty five million dollars, what what is your prediction for what happens with those guys? Yeah, I think. Um... I think it's it's really all going to depend on Jermichael and and what what kind of offer he gets, because I I think they're all all those guys are 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 waiting, and they're all aware. I mean, I talked to Vince Carter a lot about that. Um, he's aware that he's kind of the last guy. You know, Tony Allen is aware that this is going to be a little bit of a tricky thing, and that you know you're not looking at absolutely maximizing your money if you're going to come back with the Grizzlies. You know, Zach may be a little bit different because he felt like he gave the Grizzlies a discount last time around. And I think he's not super pumped about another discounted contract. He may not have a choice based on age and opportunity, but I don't think he's super excited about, you know, some kind of a real hometown discount. I don't think that's going to happen unless it absolutely has to from Zach's perspective. Uh, I, I don't I don't think that they match Jermichael. Over like. If, 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 if Brooklyn comes in with like, you know, f- four years, you know, 55 or something, I, I don't know. They match that. I, I would, you know, if it's, if it's in the neighborhood of 13 to 14 mil a year, I don't, I don't think they, they want to do that. I, I don't think they want to commit uh, necessarily to, to that. And if that's the case, then I think they, they do bring back Zach probably on a short term deal, 10 million, you know, nine or 10 million per, for maybe two years, maybe the second year is an option. Uh, Tony would probably be, you know, four or five per same kind of thing. And, and Vince probably gets that two year deal with the one year, um, you know, non guaranteed or partially guaranteed, something like that for, for, you know, similar to what he made this year, 4 million, 5 million, that probably puts you right around where you, where you're going to have to be. Um, if, if Jermichael isn't matched, if he is matched, then I think you're talking about probably, um, you're going to have to lose, Tony, I would guess, and maybe also Vince. I think they would probably prioritize Zebo just maybe even from a PR standpoint, even though positionally mm-hmm. it's similar. I think it's really hard to let Zebo go. Um, and Tony may come back just because I think he he would be more likely to take a serious discount um, to do so. So yeah, I, I, that's that's probably it. It all just hinges on 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 Jamichael to me and and how much they want to keep they they like him and they value him. But I don't know if they value him, you know, 14 or 15. 
Yeah, I think I think that's right, and I, I agree with that also personally. Like, I, I would have difficulty paying him just that amount. This is where I will kind of agree with. Like, I don't think he moves the needle that much. Like, I, I, I'm I'm ready to go all out. Let's try to win 45 games, guys. But I'm not sure how much uh, Jermichael Green moves me from like 43 games to 46 games. If that makes right. sense, you know. Right. Like, yeah. I think we can win 45 without him if every if everything. Uh, um, every, if everything breaks right. I think Tony's an interesting one. Obviously, I'm extremely biased. He's probably my favorite NBA player. He's the one where I feel like, yeah, maybe Fisdale wants a different direction and just, you know, to try to take the identity of the team where Fizz feels like he's more in possession of it. But then, on the other hand, where are the Grizzlies going to find a guy who can possibly start at the two, you know, and not be a disaster for five or six million dollars a year and that Mark Gasol like will trust and pass the ball to. So that's where I'm like, I don't, I don't know. That's, that's going to be the big question. Well, that's the, and that's the tricky part. And, and, and it's, um, you know, this is part of it too. Also is I think developing guys, this is my thing, Keith is, is if you, if you're trying to develop these young, at some point you really have to actually trust and develop the young players. I'm, I'm sitting here watching golden state and they're playing Patrick McCaw, yeah. 38th pick in the draft, in the finals in game five in legit time, not garbage time, but legitimate time. I mean, yeah, they're really good and all that, but you're still develop. That's 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 incredible development. They played Ian Clark good minutes in the postseason. They played McCaw good minutes in the postseason. You know, they they played uh, you know McAdoo for the last two or three years. They've they've done that with these guys. You know, you can develop your players. Look at what the Spurs did. Um, and yeah, I mean, I realize, you know, what, what happened in, in the Western Conference finals, but they, you know, they, they played serious minutes for, for guys that, that were very much developing DeJounte Murray never sniffed the series against the Grizzlies. And he ends up playing like good minutes in the, in the following two series, you know, the, the teams are willing to do this, but for the Grizzlies, they haven't. And part of it is these guys can be a little bit of a distraction. You're not bringing, if you're bringing Tony Allen back, he's going to want to play. He's not going to want to be the coach on the bench, you know, watching uh, Wayne Seldon take that next step. That's not going to be Tony. He's not going to be into that. He will be griping and groaning behind the scenes if that's the case. Vince Carter does not want to come back and play, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes a game as a bit part player. He still thinks he can play. So um, if you're going to bring back these guys, they're going to play which to me is going to impede the development of these young guys. You got to find minutes for Roddy Zagorats. You got to find minutes for Deontay Davis. You got to find minutes for Wade Baldwin um, and Wayne Seldon. And, and if you think Andrew Harrison can play or whatever, you got to find legit minutes for these guys at some point, you can't keep cycling them through and expecting them to develop without actually playing key minutes. And I, I don't think that's super compatible with bringing these guys back to me. You're going to put, the development of those players on hold for a year or two when you really can't afford to in order to try to squeeze out another 45 win season to what end? I, I don't, that's one other reason why I think it's time to just kind of rip the bandaid off and, and to start developing for good or for bad, whatever you got, you gotta, you gotta try to make something out of it. Yeah. I, I kind of wish they would also just choose like who they were developing. It seems like the last two or three years they've carried an entire like five man squad of JV guys guys right. that barely play that are borderline D-League talent. I wish they would view some of these into the bench guys as more expendable, like, all right, like Wade is going to get 
minutes, like backup minutes, two guard minutes, or, or, who, or who, whoever it is, but just carrying, it, it seems so weird to me. I know, it, I guess it is part of the trying to develop that in between the older guys and the younger guys to actually get a little development. But with this timeline of, again, I'm in the camp of, let's just try to make it to the second round of the playoffs. It seems weird for a veteran team to carry all these guys who they aren't even really playing who are young. Exactly. Well, and that and that's that's it. You have to figure it out. Like you, you why why didn't they play? You know, Jordan Adams. Why are they giving Nick Calathis minutes over Jordan Adams? You know, back in those the, the Grizzlies as an organization, you've hit on something here, Keith. That's really important for people to know or to watch. And, and Grizzly observers and fans have watched it for years. They they just don't have a good plan often enough. They just don't have a plan for development. They just they, it's it's too scattershot. And guys, they draft guys based, you know, Chris Wallace loves uh, physical talent. And sometimes that trumps, you know, uh, mental talent. Sometimes that trumps fit. Sometimes that trumps uh, what the guy can actually do. How would he have any kind of a fit whatsoever? A lot of times that's all just just out the window. So you've got these guys that, that aren't being developed. You know, Wade Baldwin, as bad as he was for a long, you, I mean, you, you got, he's a middle first round pick. With, you, you have got to try to get something out of him. And, and again, trying to squeeze out every little win to, to do all this is not compatible with, with letting these guys go out there and make mistakes so that you can develop. And hopefully in two or three years, this guy can actually play. Yeah, this has gotten, I feel like this whole episode has been dark. This is why John doesn't let me talk about the Grizzlies. We, <laughs> we, we, we just get depressed. Do you have any, uh, to close, do you have any, any ray of hope, any sure. sunshine you want to shine down on our listeners? First of all, listen, you, we, we, you can always, you can choose to look at things half full or half empty. You can choose to look at rebuilding as sad and depressing, or you can choose to look at it as an exciting opportunity to find a new core group. And, and that's what you, you, you have to, you have to look at it like that. Um, you know, as far as the excitement level goes, listen, man, I, I think that the team, you know, selfishly covering them, I've enjoyed, I cover these guys. I love talking to them. I've, I'm, I've known these guys for forever. You know, I've covered all these guys for a decade because it's been the same core. So I, I love, I would, I love for that. I'd like them to stick around forever because they, they help make my job easier and it's fun to, to talk to those guys. Um, but I mean, I'm just looking at it. I would be excited. To me, it's exciting to turn the page. It's exciting to try something new. That's the excitement, you know, for me. And so I, I hope they do. And even if they don't, then I think you also have the excitement of, of these young guys. I think Roddy Zagorats is an interesting prospect, and they, they have a lot of excitement for it. I think Deontay Davis you know, could potentially be a, the type of athletic, rim-protecting big that the Grizzlies haven't really had um, in, in a long time, if, if ever. You know, Wade Baldwin, theoretically at least, is a very lively athletic dude who you know if he can figure out how to play basketball is going to be a good basketball player That's i keep as you keep running these names off in my head i gotta be honest i just keep seeing the the trump gif of him saying wrong <laughs> but anyway you can keep saying i asked you for hope i'm sorry i'm sorry you ask for hope i'm trying to give you the best you i mean i can go the other side of it too no I mean, we've already we've already we've already been to the other crap side all over your your breakfast then i can do that too uh, either way whichever way you want me to go with it is fine i'm, I'm doing my best here though <laughs> that's great all right peter thanks so much uh for your time for taking time to talk to me uh yep. why don't you why don't you plug some of your stuff for our listeners so they can find you oh man okay so if you want more of this uh optimistic, happy, fun stuff uh, <laughs> that we, that we like to provide uh, locked on Grizzlies. Uh, we are 
now in the off season. So the schedule, you know, in, in, during the season, it's pretty much an everyday thing, or at least an every weekday thing in the off season. It's going to be more like a two or three times a week thing um, based on, you know, when I can record and uh, what's going on and all that stuff. And we'll pop it in probably more special editions when signings and moves happen and all that stuff. Um, as we go through free agency and the draft and all that good stuff, uh, I'll be covering the draft on Thursday night down at FedEx forum. So if anything happens, Ooh. I'll be down there, uh, to, to catch it. Or if nothing happens, I'll be down there to talk to Chris Wallace or whoever about why nothing happened. And, uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll have all that for you coming up. And then of course, seven to 10, those of you that are here in the uh, Memphis area where I happen to be right now, you can listen to me, uh, Wolo and Peter, in the mornings on uh, Sports 56. That's 560 AM and 87.7 FM. You can also listen online at sports56whbq.com. And i um, going to be uh, doing some stuff for the CA. I uh, don't know exactly all the details on that yet, but we're still working on that for draft and free agency. And also uh, going to be on, uh, there's a CA podcast coming up this week as well. That me and Chris Harrington will be talking. Uh, that's a, that's a commercial appeal for our listeners. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Commercial <laughs> appeal. Thank you. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, I think that's everything. And, uh, it was father's day and, uh, I like to go, uh, have fun with my family. What else am I going to plug? Um, <laughs> a great. Yeah. I think, I think I got everything. So, uh, there you go. All right. Thanks, Peter. Uh, have a good one. All right, Keith, enjoy it, man. All right. Thanks to Peter for his time for getting me a little down on the Grizzlies. 47 games or bust is my Grizzlies slogan for 2017-18. All right, well, thanks for listening. If you want to support the show, get on that Slack chat with the rest of us crazy basketball fans. You can go to patreon.com slash fastbreakbreakfast. Follow us on Twitter at fastbreakbreak. All right, you guys are the best. Thanks for listening. And remember, breakfast is the most important thing. Yeah, never apologize for being GNG. Fair break, break, man. You understand? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.